What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff Sapier, and this is episode 85 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm talking about toxic positivity with psychotherapist Whitney Goodman. Thanks so much for hanging out today and making adult education a part of your day. I appreciate that so much. This podcast is a fun project for me that I do out of the love of conversation and learning. If you want to support me or the show, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform it is you're listening on right now. I know most of you listen via Spotify. Those five stars are huge. Uh, If you're using a platform that allows a review, please share a few words too. That also really helps the podcast algorithm know which shows should be introduced to new listeners. So last week in episode 84, I talked at the beginning about how I usually sit on an interview for a week or two so I can listen back to it and make sure it sounds good enough for all of you to hear. There have definitely been some conversations that have not made the cut. Uh, Guess I thought would be fantastic for the show, but turned out to be quite the opposite. Now, there are a million reasons why this would happen, right? A lot of my guests are on promo tours when I'm speaking with them. A promo tour is basically a day where the guest sits behind a phone or a computer for hours and just connects to radio and TV stations, publications, podcast hosts, and other interviewers. It's like one after another, and it can really wear on someone. Sometimes I'm just not having a great day, so I'm not mentally with it either. And sometimes the guest just isn't great at articulating their thoughts. Now, this week's episode is one that I started back in February. I was so excited to speak with this person because I've been following them on social media for quite some time, and I really like the concept of their new book, but I don't know if I can really put words to it. I just felt like I didn't have my A game with me for this conversation. I don't know if I was struggling that day or if I expected more from the guest or whatever the cause may be. I wasn't sure if this was a conversation that needed to be posted. So I went back a few days ago to listen to it again, and even though I don't think it's my best work, I do think there's a good message in here, and I want to share it with all of you. This episode features psychotherapist Whitney Goodman. Now, you may know her better as her Instagram handle, Sit With Wit. Whitney's been featured in dozens of publications and programs, and her book comes with a recommendation from my friend Elizabeth Earnshaw, who's been a guest on this podcast multiple times. The book is called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. Now, let me be very clear here, just in case Whitney happens to be listening. My issues with this interview really had nothing to do with her. I think she's a very intelligent individual with an invaluable treasure trove of resources for people. I just kind of felt like we never hit our stride in this conversation. We never really got into a solid rhythm. This might not make sense to you, but it kind of felt more to me like an interview and not a conversation. And I always prefer a conversation. So I'd love to do a do-over someday. So Whitney, if you are listening, let's try to make that happen. That would be great. Before we jump into this episode of Adult Education, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a rating, hopefully a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if this is your first time catching the Adult Education Podcast, first of all, thank you so much. And second of all, please subscribe so you'll get all of our future episodes as well. And we're on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Adult Education Podcast. How's it going? Hello. Good. Thank you. (laughs) What a whirlwind day I'm sure you're on right now. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um... But yes, you are in my, I think, my 15th interview. <laughs> oh, good. Well, hey, 15th and best, I hope, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm seasoned pro by now. Right. You've got all the kinks worked out at this point. Yes. It, it's always a funny thing because, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to jinx this conversation that we're about to have, but these promo tours can be really grueling on people. And, and I am aware of that, you know, from your standpoint. And some people will come in and they're just like, not in it anymore. Like they are checked out. They are done. <laughs> and I just, I just feel bad because I know it's been a hell of a day for you and I'm sitting here waiting my, for my turn. So I just want to say, I appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you. I have two more after you. So I, I'm still got my head in the game. <laughs> All right, good. The light at the end of the tunnel is coming close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, my first question for you, Whitney, is about the book reviews on your book, because I'm really curious. Do you get to choose the people that get reviews on your book or does that come from the publisher? So I got to submit some names and they send them out and then people can say yes or no, but they also chose some of those. Okay. So do you know Elizabeth Earnshaw or Liz Listens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do through Instagram, but yes, I gotcha. know her. Yeah. She has become a friend of mine as well. And I just saw, I saw her name on there and I was like, wow, that's awesome. I think Whitney oh, and I yeah. are meant to be, we're meant to talk. Today. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I have to admit, I've hated toxic positivity way before it was cool to say that. Um, and I'll tell you why, because one of my best friends in college, so we're going back to about the year 2000 was just a very, and I, and I used to say this to her, I'm like, you just have this like toxic positivity about you where I feel like you're not addressing any of the emotions you really have. And you're just kind of like pushing them down. And she would tell you this now that I was right. Um, but it, it's so, I'm so glad to see this term coming out into the public because I do think it is such a bad thing for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you've been aware of it. That helps. So maybe for other people that have not been aware of it, why don't you give me a quick you know, definition of what toxic positivity is all about? Toxic positivity is this unrelenting pressure to be happy and positive all the time or to be seeking that out no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. And it can come in many different forms. It can come in a form of you always trying to be positive in front of other people or people always spinning things positively that are negative in your life, you know, maybe a breakup, you know, at the, you're, you're sad because someone broke up with you, but someone else like, Oh, it's the best thing for you. And you're like, it's not really what I want to hear right now. Absolutely. Yeah. We use it against ourselves, against other people. And then it's also just this overall theme. I think that we see in the world. I, I have to wonder why do we get to this point? Like, I, I feel like dealing with emotions is a very important part of our lives that we need to learn uh, how to do even when we're young. So how do we get to this point where we're just like, ah, F them. We're just going to, uh, we're just going <laughs> to pretend like everything's good all the time. Yeah. Our obsession with positivity and happiness has been going on for so long that I think it's just shape shifted into other aspects of society. But even from the moment we're born, parents say things like, I just want a happy kid. I just want you to be happy. All that matters is that you're happy, that it really just becomes ingrained in us. I think to be opting for happiness over everything. This is kind of a hot button topic for my wife because she's a teacher of middle school students. And she would always say like, kids don't know how to feel their feelings anymore. You know, they get into a situation where they either, they either don't know how to deal with an emotion or mom and dad swoop in and take care of it for them. And they don't really have to deal with it. And it's so interesting to think that we're kind of in a way raising a generation of people that are not going to understand how to handle loss or negativity or something. It's so true. And I think parents have to be comfortable feeling their own emotions and showing themselves, working through them in constructive ways for kids to learn how to do it or what that even looks like. And so whatever you see your parents doing or not doing, you're going to integrate that in some way or not get the skills, period. I was listening to a different podcast that you were on um, doing some research on you, and I, I heard part of the conversation kind of shifted to toxic positivity has a little bit of um, history in religion. And I'm kind of curious uh, if you wouldn't mind going into that a little bit more. Sure. So when the United States was being formed, um, Calvinism was the main religion of the time. And that was a very like doom and gloom, fire and brimstone kind of thing. And I think people were noticing that 
it wasn't motivational for what they wanted the United States and the pursuit of happiness to be. So religion kind of rebranded itself into this, God wants you to be positive and happy and wealthy. And from there, it started to move into, um, you know, business and wellness and healthcare where that was the message across all boards. It's interesting because I have a friend who's very religious and uh, he was telling me a story about um, he, he needed to get new carpet for his house. And, you know, him, him and his wife were not really, you know, didn't have a lot of money in the bank. And he went to Home Depot or wherever to get this carpet. And he was like, I just don't know how we're going to pay for this, but we'll figure it out. And when he went to go pay, he looked in his wallet and he was like, God sent me a sign. Everything's going to be great. I have this Home Depot gift card. And I was like, yeah, but that gift card was given to you at your wedding. <laughs> like, so I, I appreciate your positivity, You, but you just forgot it was in there, man. Like that's not. <laughs> oh, I know. And that's where it's such a tricky thing of like, that's a good example of something that's helpful for someone that if someone said that to me, I would be like, no, that's not helpful to right. me. And we have to really identify our audience. That's where positivity can become toxic. If you use something that's positive for you and not for them. And we kind of we kind of put ourselves in a position too where if we aren't feeling very positive about something, we almost feel shameful about that. You know, like you, you get those comments that'll be like, I shouldn't complain about this, but it's like, well, it's okay. You can complain about it. Like, that's fine. Absolutely. That's actually how I noticed this was such a pervasive phenomenon amongst my therapy clients was they kept coming in saying things like that. I should be positive, but I shouldn't complain. But I'm like, this is therapy where literally you're paying me to sit here and help you through your negative feelings and complaints. If you can't talk about it here, where can you? I guess that's a great uh, place to go here because I'd be curious about your background and how you kind of even got into writing this book and doing more research about this idea of toxic positivity. Yeah. So I got on Instagram to promote my private practice in like 2018. And that was when I got introduced to this whole side of positivity culture, like MLMs and all these motivational speakers that I didn't really know existed. From there, I, I just started saving posts and kind of trying to notice when my clients would talk about things like this. And I realized there was such this dichotomy of how we were showing up online versus how people were talking to me in therapy. And I was like, wow, I feel this pressure too. And so do my friends and family. We really need to start talking about this. Have you noticed too, when you see a lot of these things pop up, and I don't know how much you followed people, but I, I notice a lot of people that will be super positive on social media are also the people that like behind closed doors are like kind of the negative and hateful people as well. Sure. Or it's, or it's a lie. You know, you yeah. see a lot of these motivational speakers um, that are charging, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for something. And then you figure out that behind the door, you know, they're divorced or which isn't bad, but if they're selling marriage retreats, sure. you know, all, all these types of things that the positivity culture is sometimes just a front, you know, for, for something else. It does seem to be like the new scam in a lot of ways, you know, like that, those people, yeah. those people will prey on, prey on the weak, if you will. I don't mean to call them weak, but they will kind of prey on those folks that are looking for that positivity and just kind of capitalize on that situation. For sure. People who are particularly vulnerable, you know, they sell them this message of like, if you control your thoughts, you can have everything you want, 
buy my $10,000 program and I'll show you how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to be clear too, like we're not trying to tell people through this and you're not trying to tell people in this book, you shouldn't ever be positive, but more so your message is just understanding that emotions are okay. Absolutely. And positivity has a lot of value when it's used at the right time and the right place. I I think one of the big parts here too is chapter five in your book, which is how to process an emotion. And I know we touched on this before, but so many people are kind of losing touch of this. Like instead of, instead of saying like, okay, I'm going to grieve for whatever situation may be a loss of a job, loss of a friend, whatever, instead of grieving for that and, and dealing with that emotion, they just immediately flip the script and try to put on this fake positivity, which doesn't, doesn't help you. Like it actually probably hurts you in the long run, but let's talk a little bit more about how you can process those emotions. Yeah. So when an emotion comes up, I think it starts mainly as a feeling in the body, a sensation. So most people are very detached from that. You have to think about like, what am I feeling? Something in my stomach, my muscles, et cetera. Then from there, you can try to ask yourself, like, what might be going on right now? If I could give this a name, what would I call it? And what the research shows us is that when we're able to label our emotions and call them a certain type of feeling, they become known to us and less scary. And when things aren't scary and they're known to us, we can do something about them and decide, does this mean anything? Do I want to make a decision or act based on this feeling? Why do we shame ourselves? I guess is the other question. I was talking to somebody, and this is probably <laughs> this is a rhetorical question, why do we shame ourselves? <laughs> but I was talking to uh, an author, Madeline Dore, who wrote a book called I Didn't Do the Thing Today. And she kind of talks about how we shame ourselves for not being productive enough. And it seems that we also have this thing now where we're shaming ourselves if we aren't positive enough. How do we get into this spiral where we're just shaming ourselves for not being perfect human beings? I think a lot of us are convinced that shame is like an, a good motivator. Like if I shame myself, I'll become more productive or I'll make myself feel bad enough that I'll be able to do the thing. And it's actually a very poor motivator and doesn't work. It also goes back to like, how are you raised as a child? Was shame used as a way to get you to do things or to tell you that you weren't good enough? That can often become the voice in our heads. It's really interesting to hear how it's actually negative. Like, as you would think, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to tell myself I need to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to go do it. But in reality, it just kind of makes you even sadder when you don't lose that 10 pounds or whatever the situation may be. Exactly. And it's not sustainable. You can't hate yourself into a better version of yourself. It's funny how positivity can lead to hate for yourself. Yeah, right? It's such a weird cycle, right? It's so true. Well, I'm so fascinated by what you've been writing in this book, and I'm so like curious to to, to dive into it more because I have not been able to finish the entire thing. But there was something that I, I learned a, a few years ago, and I feel like this has helped me a lot with my wife. And forgive me if this comes across as kind of sexist because it's not what it's intended to be at all. But I was reading something or, or saw in a movie somewhere where they were talking about men and women and how they deal with complaining differently, whereas a man may complain and they want a solution to a situation. But when a woman will complain, she's really just looking to someone to be on her side and to just be like, okay, I hear you. And and you kind of talk a little bit about that uh, in this book with toxic positivity, where somebody may come to you with a complaint and say, oh, my boss is driving me crazy today. And they'll say, well, hey, at least you have a job and things are good. That's not what you're looking for in that setting. You kind of want to commiserate with someone a little bit. Exactly. Or you want someone to just be like, oh, that's hard or that sucks. You know, nine times out of 10, people are coming to you to have you listen and validate what they're going through. If they want a solution, they usually ask. And I find toxic positivity seeping into the workplace more too. Uh, I'll use myself as an example. I am uh, someone that I would 
say, we'll try to, I'm not a negative person, but I will try to point out where we may have a problem with an idea, you know, instead of just somebody gives an idea in a meeting and everyone's like, that's the perfect idea. It's like, all right, it could be perfect, but what about X, Y, Z and try to poke the holes in it to see if we can execute something perfectly. Um, and I feel like that comes across in a way people are like, well, how do you not support that? Like you're kind of an <laughs> asshole for this. And I'm like, I'm not trying to, I'm just, just trying to say, if you want to put a concert on, we got to have security. We got to have whatever the situation may be. And that's not really in the plan here. And it's like toxic positivity is kind of taken the brainstorming away in that setting. It's so true. And what the research on positive thinking in the workplace shows us is that when people are encouraged to only think positive, there isn't room for creativity, problem solving, negotiation, all of these really important things that have to happen if we're going to get new, better ideas. Uh, it might be another rhetorical question for you, but what is the answer to toxic positivity? How do we fight this? I think the best thing we can do is accept what is and make room for what's possible. And a lot of times that just means meeting people where they're at, listening to them, validating them and having compassion. And then when they're ready, trying to show them that something else is possible. Kind of like a, um, I think I've heard the term radical acceptance used before. Yes, exactly. I talk about that in the book and I really do think it's one of the biggest anecdotes antidotes to toxic positivity. I kind of like uh, how the word radical is coming back in in certain ways. I was talking to a <laughs> couple of folks that wrote a book about relationships. I think it was called The 80-80 Marriage. And uh, they talk about radical generosity is the the best thing in a marriage to keep uh, to keep mm. people together. And I was like, yeah, bring back the word radical. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so what is going on here um, when it comes to, say, discrimination or maybe racism? Because I feel like that can also be brought into the toxic positivity conversation uh, a lot. Absolutely. So I saw this a lot on social media, especially when we started having a lot more difficult conversations about racism over the last year that people were saying things like, can't we all just love each other? Let's all get along. Um, this is you know, so negative. And yes, those things all sound nice and positive and happy, but they're very dismissive to the real issues that someone is bringing up and trying to tell you that they're experiencing. Also, if we could do that, I think we would have done it by now. So it's not particularly helpful. That kind of goes back to what I was asking before about how, like, do you, do you kind of find that a lot of people that uh, live in this world of toxic positivity are also the people that kind of behind closed doors or off social media are, are keeping a lot of these discriminatory practices alive. It, it seems like I, I know people that will be, you know, uh, choose civility, you know, like cheering that on all the time, but then behind closed doors, they're doing all this kind of nasty stuff to people. And I'm thinking, well, which person are you? <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, we don't have to get what people are going through or even totally understand it to listen to them and to make room for it and say, wow, that sounds like a really tough experience. Yeah. I mean, just, just again, to, to go back to what we were saying before, just acknowledging that there's a difficulty, just acknowledging that there's an emotion, acknowledging that it might not be all sunshine and roses every second of every day is such an important piece of life. It is, it is. And it's so powerful to be able to do that for yourself and others that I actually think when people master that skill, they experience more happiness and more positive thoughts. So if you've got somebody that uh, you're working with in your practice that you would say just kind of goes with this toxic positivity all the time, like how do you how do you work with them to help them break through 
those walls and understand, especially somebody who's maybe an adult that has been doing this for so long that it's kind of all they know. The first thing I work on is really where do they learn these messages that everything happens for a reason, that they should always be positive and trying to deconstruct a story that often feels like mandatory or like a law to people can be really powerful. And then I challenge my clients a lot when they say things like, I shouldn't complain. Okay, why shouldn't you complain? Is this not important to you? Um, and really trying to help them see there's another way. It kind of goes into sort of the thought of critical thinking, where instead of just expecting an answer to be given to you, you kind of have to think about it and find it for yourself in a way. For sure. And that's also way more powerful than me giving a client advice or telling them what to do if they can kind of get to the root of why they do things on their own. What are some of the common things that you find from people that kind of send them down this pathway? When you talk about, you know, trying to identify where it comes from, uh, what are some of the common things that you find with folks? A lot of it is from childhood, you know, messaging from our parents, yeah. teachers, people around us that we should only feel a certain way or speak a certain way about things. And they just become ingrained and we never question them. It's hard. It's hard to think. And, you know, I think critical thinking and questioning is having kind of a weird moment right now, because if you question the wrong things, people will definitely go after you on social media and in life. Uh, but it is it's important to think about all the different aspects that come through in a situation just so you kind of understand where your place is at. Absolutely. And just questioning things can be such a great learning experience when it comes to our emotions and, and our childhoods and our backgrounds. So if you are someone that uh, is in this world and you uh, are surrounded by people that kind of operate in this toxic positivity lane, how can you still feel comfortable complaining and still feel comfortable having a bad day with these folks around you? So I think the more that we all start doing this and showing that it's okay, there's going to be a shift, but also just asking people, you know, if they say like, oh, you should just look on the bright side. You need to be happy. Like asking them why, why do I need to do that? You know, it's okay to challenge people or even set limits with them and say, you know, that's not really helpful for me. I would appreciate if you could do this instead and teaching people what's helpful for us. One of the things, too, I was just thinking about this. I made this in my notes. One of the things that I love, it's one of the words I hate the most uh, because I've heard it so many times from folks. I work in the radio industry, so people in my business are getting fired all the time. Uh, but the word fun employed uh, comes up in your book, and <laughs> it is like one of my least favorite words in the English. The fun employment is such an example of toxic positivity. It's like you just lost your job, but please smile about it and have fun. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to like, kind of like the relationship aspect too, like that we know a lot of, both of us know people in our lives that have been in bad relationships that when those relationships ended, there was a sense of relief. But at the same time, the person who's going through that isn't feeling that same sense of relief. So you, you kind of have to just understand where they're at, but also maybe help them find their way to the future. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can meet people where they're at and just kind of walk with them through that, I think they get to the future much quicker if than if we drag them kicking and screaming to that place. There's a uh, there's a great meme that I've seen floating around recently, especially with all this talk about the great resignation and all that. It's I think it's, I'm going to butcher the wording, I'm sure, but it's something on the lines of, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But people will say, like, if you love what you do, they cross it out and they say, you're going to work yes. 100 hours a week <laughs> and you're going to bust your butt and do all these different things. <laughs> I've seen this, yes. I kind of love the shift of the toxic positivity on that one. Yeah, absolutely. That is a, a perfect translation from toxic positivity to 
radical acceptance. <laughs> All right. So I, I don't like to ask this question to people, but I'm so curious because I've found this book so well done and so uh, thought provoking in so many ways. Uh, is there something else on the horizon that you're thinking about tackling here? Because you did such a, a great job with toxic positivity. I'm kind of wondering what else might be floating around in your brain. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think I'm going to take a long nap after this. <laughs> um, if I'm being honest, I love it. And then see what comes to me after that nap. Well, Whitney, I, I really do love this book. It's called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. And I just I, I love that that phrase, in a world obsessed with being happy, because there is there is something to be said about being sad. Like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. But we have just found ourselves in a place where we just uh, seem to want to force this happiness on folks. Uh, I hope people check this book out. Where can people find more information about you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at sitwithwit. And my website is sitwithwit.com. Well, Whitney Goodman, thank you so much for your time. I hope the rest of your, <laughs> your promo tour goes well. And I hope you get that nap that you so deserve. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate it. Big thank you to Whitney Goodman for her time. I really, really liked this book. It's called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. I cannot stress enough how much I enjoyed this book. There's just so much eye-opening content in there that can be extremely helpful in today's world. And thank you to all of you for listening. I just appreciate you sharing some of your day with me. That's all I can say. It's amazing. Until next time, be well. <laughs>